This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio podcast, episode number 98. Here's an important fact for any woman or man who wants to advance their leadership or their career. The bedrock of any thriving business is great leadership communication. As a woman or man at the top of his or her career or working towards career advancement, your communication ability is one of the most important core skills that will determine whether or not you get or maintain your leadership role. So if you're curious about the impact of leadership communication in the workplace and you want to learn how to communicate better with your colleagues and superiors, listen to this important episode. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio. Today I have the pleasure of introducing David Hyatt, who is an author with over 27 years of sales and training experience. He brings a strong background to the Sandler training. After 10 years of owning and operating a successful Sandler Training Center, he was recruited by Sandler Corporate to handle the bulk of national international training through the Global Accounts Division. With a BA and Master's in Communication, he is a passionate and energetic program leader who is truly concerned with helping others to grow, develop, and communicate. He has also recently written a great book called From the Boardroom to the Living Room. Welcome, David. Thank you, Sabrina. I appreciate that nice introduction. You, you are welcome. Um, I really enjoyed your book, and I think, I think communication is really important to people in business. How important would you say it is? Well, I think the way and how and the style in which you communicate is vital. You know, as you're having a conversation in a boardroom, Uh, about issues and things, your ability to get your ideas across, your ability to listen and to understand other people's ideas. And the book sort of had a genesis from all the business training that we did and all of the, the leaders and the people we were training saying, boy, I wish my family knew this. I wish I could, you know, take it home. And by the way, this works at home. So sort of the book came about as, well, let's take these things that we're teaching people in business and let's take them to uh, the family, the friends, so that when it comes to the important conversations, you've got more positive outcomes. Great. Before we get into how to do that, tell us some of the poor um, communication interactions that happen. Some of the poor ones? Well, I, I think the biggest one, and I was certainly and am certainly still guilty of this, uh, not listening, not listening appropriately, uh, anticipating and making the assumption of what the person is going to say, um, or not really waiting for the whole question to be asked before we start answering it. Um, we've all had friends who ask us a question, we start to answer it, and they say, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Well, because we didn't really listen to understand. 
Right. What I notice sometimes is people will ask me multiple questions at the same time. So they ask me like four questions, which is impossible for me to answer. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a rule that I learned way, way long, long ago in, in, in training and sales training particularly, that whenever you ask a closing question, shut up. Whoever speaks next loses, right? <laughs> and I've taken that and I, I've adopted that to, to, to be a real simple rule. Whenever you ask any question, shut up. Because what happens is you, if you can't tolerate the silence, then you'll ask another question or you'll, you will start filling in explanation. People... That- process the world differently, Sabrina. Some people are slow. Some people are fast. So you've got to give them a chance. So in your book, you talk about the importance of silence, and you use silence as a mnemonic mnemonic device. Can you tell us what the letters stand for? I sure can. Well, first of all, silence can, you know, there's a lot of different ways to use silence. Um, I'm not talking about the, the silence that is punishment. In other words, Sabrina, you've angered me, so I'm not going to talk to you for the next two weeks. Uh-huh. That, that's not the kind of silence that's productive. The number one kind of silence is when you ask a question, be quiet, give people a chance to answer. <clears throat> the second type of silence is before you're responding. Here's what the letters stand for. Silence, S stands for the situation. I mean, think about the situation in the context of the conversation. Recall the big picture, what you're there to accomplish, what you want that outcome to be before you let that initial gut reaction response come out. If you take a little bit of time to think of the situation, it's going to help you form a better response. The I stands for intensity. What's the emotional intensity of the conversation? In other words, we've all had those conversations where the intensity of the emotions far outweigh our intellectual ability to respond appropriately. Uh If we just take a moment, think about that intensity before we respond, we have a much better chance of responding more appropriately. Now, the L in silence stands for listen. And oh, by the way, listen. (laughs) And listen some more. When you're listening, it doesn't mean that you're not talking. Because very often, to listen appropriately You've got to ask questions to make sure you understand what is being asked of you or what is being explained. Mm-hmm. So they listen. It's, it's asking the appropriate questions, but it's also listening with your eyes as well as your ears. Mm-hmm. Because that face-to-face communication, Sabrina, our facial expressions speak volumes. And if you're not listening with your eyes and all you hear are the words you could be missing the real meaning of the comment because you didn't, you didn't acknowledge the, the facial expressions, which said, you know, complete opposite of what the word said. So be aware. The E. First um, be, before, before you do that, I want to uh, say something about this because um, I do executive coaching. I used to be a marriage and family counselor and I would, want to jump on whatever they said so fast because I wanted them to know I was worth getting paid or, you know, that, that I had value, that I was an expert. And that was, that was a hard one for me to trust that, that they would 
really get that I was more of an expert if I left that space and actually actually listened to what they said before I gave my so-called expert advice. Um, That's not unusual. Most people out there have that need to be taken seriously, and therefore, when they have this wealth of knowledge, they can't wait to spew, right? They just want to get it out as fast as they can so that people will know how smart they are right? and then then elevate them to that status. It doesn't happen that way. Say more about that. I think it's a lot of people have this issue. Yeah, well, you know, when when you stop and really listen, uh, you're looking at the situation, the intensity, and you're listening, you're now better able to form a response that's going to be more laser-focused onto the real issue and what's really going on. And think about it. Most of the time, if you understand, and that goes back to the empathy word, if you put yourself in their shoes and are truly attempting to understand where they're coming from and what what they're really dealing with, it will usually change your response, or at least in how you deliver that response. And it also is more likely they're going to listen to what you're saying because you listen to them. Exactly. People want to feel listened to. If you want to connect with people, make sure you listen to them. You've been a a marriage and relationship coach, and you know the number one complaint that people have is my partner just didn't listen to me or to understand me, right? Right. And and it worked too. I mean, it's just all over the place. So what's the E? Well, the E is empathy, empathizing. Put yourself in their shoes. Everyone's got a story. There's always, whatever chapter you happen to open their book, there's previous chapters. So we don't know what has led them in, in, in the business environment to explode or whatever it was or in that personal relationship, but there's a story, there's a backstory somewhere. If you can put yourself in their shoes and do your best to understand what they're dealing with and where they're coming from, your responses will be much more appropriate, again, for getting a positive outcome. So how do, how do you begin to train yourself to do that? What's a, a good exercise or thing to do before you actually get in the room with that person to understand who they are better? Well, again, if you're, if you're talking about total strangers, um, I think there's, there's things that you can do in just the initial conversation. And, and we talk about it in the book in terms of creating uh, mutual agreements up front about what the conversation is going to be about, what kind of outcomes we want out of it. And as you are observing people and as you are um, engaging in them and you can get a sense of the importance of this issue or a sense of their emotional attachment to this issue, you can begin to ask questions. Sabrina, I get the feeling this is a really important issue to you. My guess is you've had some bad experience. Uh, Would you share with me what's happened? So bring me up to speed. Beautiful. What else? On the silence. Well, silence, N. N stands for nurture. That's a lot to do with empathy, too. Nurture, nurture, nurture. Right? Have you been communicating from your nurturing parent ego state, to use a little transactional analysis conversation there, 
In other words, are you seeking to understand them, that empathy and nurturing go hand in hand? How best can my response be more nurturing to the positive outcome of the conversation? Not, not just the person, right, but for the outcome of the conversation. You know, Sabrina, help me understand how where we're going now is going to get us to a positive outcome. See, that really is a nurturing statement whenever you're seeking to understand. And very often, if you've been overly emotional, um, a comment like that can, can bring you back to, okay, here's what we want to accomplish. Not always, but it's got a better chance. I love it. It's beautiful. Now let's get to the C in silence. Uh-huh. I think that's the key one. Choices. We all have choices in any conversation that we have. We choose to listen or not. We choose to be empathetic and nurturing or not. Right? We choose our reactions and responses to what is being said in an ongoing stream of consciousness which unfortunately, sometimes our choices get stuck in our habits, get stuck in our, our belief systems of the past. Well, in the past, this has always happened, so it's going to happen again now. So we make a choice based on that as opposed to truly listening, understanding, and trying to figure out what's really going on. So choices, how does that relate to the outcomes? The, your section in your book on choices and outcomes I really, really liked. Can you, can you tell me how they relate? Well, sure. Outcomes are a choice. Um, when you're involved in an important conversation, there's always a choice on the outcome. We can choose to seek a positive outcome, even if that means we agree to disagree. Or we can ignore a positive outcome, and we can choose to be belligerent, we can choose to be childish and get our way and not be concerned about the other person's point of view or where they're coming from. So we can choose our mindset as to how we get into it, and then we can choose whether we are serious about achieving a positive outcome, right? Am I engaging in the conversation to solve a problem, to get an answer, right, to understand the other, help the other understand me? ask for help, acquire something, or make a decision? If the answer is no to those, well, the odds of engaging in a productive conversation diminish, right? It it could become simple chit-chat, or it could mean someone's just spoiling for a fight and wants an argument. Uh And I'll recall my my wife when we were first dating many, many years ago. Um, um, We hadn't been dating very long, and, and out of the blue, she just starts on me with this emotional rant. And I just stopped. I said, I'm sorry. I I don't do this. (laughs) Right. I don't do this. So my choice was not to do this. And my choice was to share that. And I said, I don't do this. If this is the kind of relationship you need, I'm not your man. And it, it, it changed the entire dynamic of our relationship from that point, all these years forward. Beautiful. So I love it. So in that relationship and even in business relationships, you're clear on the outcome you want and you choose not to be in any kind of conversation that is going to be negative or have bad results. 
And that, that is a choice. It sounds like we're at a point, Sabrina, where we're, we're not thinking clearly and we're just getting too emotional. Can we put finishing this conversation off till we both have more time to simmer down and, and think more clearly? Boy, that would save a lot of a lot of pain right there if people would do that. I love it. What's the well, last... It's easier said than done. Remember that, Sabrina. It's easier <laughs> said than done in the heat of the moment. <laughs> um. Well, it, it is, and at the same time, if you're clear that when you start noticing that you're getting really worked up and you understand that at that point your brain really can't think and that there's nothing good that's going to come out of this, if you can notice that and do a timeout whenever that happens, or like what we teach little kids is that's the red light and the signal, right? Yep. You, you just don't, don't keep going. Um, I think it's it's possible to learn to notice what the triggers are so that you can step out of those interactions. What's the last? Yes. Self-awareness is huge. The last one, the last E, is that your question? Uh Exhale. Now, you may not have noticed, but in my exuberance of explaining the the acronym silence, I get a little excited, right? It's it's important stuff to me. It's, It's stuff that makes a difference in our business conversations, the conversations with the kids, the partners, the neighbors. Exhale. The last E stands for exhale. Take a deep breath and exhale. And in that last little conference, last few sentences you and I were engaging, I was pretty excited. I actually stopped, took a deep breath, exhaled, because I felt myself, I'm getting all excited about this conversation, right? And we were getting a little fat. I was speaking faster than maybe I normally do. And I'm getting emotionally charged in the conversation. And, And just this little breathing technique allowed me to achieve a bit of self-awareness, take that deep breath, and exhale. And it allowed me, okay, slow it down a little bit. You're excited, yes, but you still need to have the conversation. I love it. And before I ask the next question, I, I loved your acronym, and that's beautiful. And the book has a lot of good examples and exercises to do. And one of the things that I want to remind the pe- the women listening and the men listening is this is this is a muscle the more you practice these um suggestions that David Hyatt has the better you're going to get at doing it it's not something you do one time you keep practicing it you keep noticing when you're when it's not a good idea for you to be talking um where you are in the s i l e n c e you keep practicing these things now, other strategies that you mentioned are awareness questions and engagement questions. You talk about the importance of questions, but what are these and how do, how do they help improve communication? Awareness questions. Awareness questions have two sides. Basically, one is self, we talked about self-awareness. People oftentimes are not aware of how their communication style impacts other people. And I think I told this story in the book I, when coaching my kids and stuff and, and dealing with the other parents. In, in my younger days, uh, very intense, very um, positive, very outgoing. Some people would say obnoxiously aggressive, right? Uh-huh. And, and I, I ran to a parent years and years later. 
and got to know them on a personal basis. And he shared with me that, that the way that I was communicating back then was intimidating, which to me, I had no self-awareness of that. Looking back on it, wow, I would have certainly changed the way I was communicating had I realized people felt that I was being, you know, very intense and very intimidating. And he said, once you get to know me, he said, you're not that way at all. But again, it's all in the way that I was communicating. So what's your self-awareness? How are you affecting other people? And so if you may not be aware, Sabrina, how you affect people, so I might need to ask you an awareness question. That could be something as simple as, you know, Sabrina, it seems that you make people mad when you say these. Have you noticed that too? Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, what's wrong with you? Don't you know how upset you get people? <laughs> They're both awareness questions, but one is done in that more nurturing, empathetic way, as opposed to that um, obnoxiously aggressive way. Um, I love it. I The other day I had to call a government agency, waited on hold for 45 minutes. I finally got a woman on the phone, and every time I asked her a question, she she just, she cut me off, and she just went on and asked a question that didn't have anything to do with why I was calling, and I ended up saying to her, are you in a bad mood? It seems like you don't want to hear my what my questions are. That changed the whole conversation. And that would be an awareness question. Great example of an awareness question. Great. And what, what is an engagement question? Well, obviously, it's not the will you marry me kind. Right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that out. Right. Uh, an engagement question very often, you know, uh, in these important conversations, we're looking for people's help or their guidance or they're looking for ours. Um, an engagement question is just let's find out if they're even willing to engage with us. Let's find out if, gee, could you spend a couple hours with me, Sabrina, and help me do this, as opposed to just assuming, because it's family and that kind of stuff, that they're going to do it for you. Are they willing and able to engage in what you want them to do? And it's that simple. It's it's not more complicated than that. So how does it relate to mutual agreement? So let's let's say... um, I'm wanting to know if you will mentor me in some aspect of the business. And I ask you if you could take 15 minutes and answer one question for me. What's the mutual agreement part of that? Well, first of all, the, the, the uh, engagement question would be, hey, Sabrina, do you, do you have some time to talk about mentoring? Mm-hmm. And we say yes. Now, let's talk about, and I used... When it comes to mutual agreement, I, I use the little, I like acronyms, right? So I use the acronym PLATE, right? So let's talk about the purpose. P stands for purpose. What's the purpose of the conversation? Well, in this case, the purpose is mentoring. Okay, so you, we shared it. We're going to talk about mentoring. You mentioned 15 minutes. Let's limit the time. L stands for limit the time. Let's don't let it run on and on and on. Let's, let's. Let's do something like this. Sabrina, um, do, you have, do you have 15 minutes, like you said, uh, that we could talk about uh, mentoring? Mm-hmm. Okay, and you say yes or you say no. If you say no, gee, could we schedule time? We can set aside 15 minutes for it. 
If you say, yes, you have it right now, we continue on. So here's, here's what, what I'm hoping to accomplish or here's, or I like to do, what would you like to accomplish in our mentoring conversation? Especially if I'm mentoring you, what would you like to accomplish? Because when I get your stuff on the table first, it's going to allow me right there in the very beginning to start thinking about how that conversation with you. I could tell you the question I have and my goal in finding out the answer or what I'm, what I'm working on. Yep. And, and, and a small little example is, is the, uh, that little information sheet you sent me before our talk. Uh-huh. Right? It was an upfront agreement, a mutual agreement about the, how much time, when it was going to happen, what you wanted to discuss. Right? And right. then some outcomes. Stay away from some certain outcomes. <laughs> right? So, so that, that's a, a, a mini little mutual agreement, upfront contract about a conversation. Beautiful. Why is it a good uh, idea to take time to think and allow the slow part of the brain to gain a clearer perspective before developing a strategy or a response to a conversation? And how do you make that happen? Well, interestingly enough, brain, brain research, and uh, Daniel Kahneman has a great book, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, talks about the actual chemistry and biology of your brain. And how you have two brains. You have a fast brain and a slow brain. And the fast brain is what we typically talk about, you know, that fight or flight thing. And the fast brain is what gives you that run away or fight, right? It's that initial reaction, usually emotional, usually very basic, you know, brainstem kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, which engages emotional involvement, which doesn't always lead to the best outcomes. If you can take the time for silence, allow the slow brain to kick in, what are my alternatives? What are my choices? Mm -hmm. I I can get a clearer perspective and develop a better strategy of how to respond to that question or how to respond to the topic of the conversation if it's emotionally charged for me, right? So that that fast brain, slow brain, don't ignore it because it's, it's real. It's in every one of us. And we've all experienced it at some form or another. If you can take that deep breath, take the time to acknowledge what the fast brain wants to do. But if you can take that little extra time to allow your slow brain to say, what are my options? What are my choices here? How could I best handle this to get a more positive outcome? So what's a good way to do that if you actually need to take a break or... Think about it a little more. What's a good thing to say to somebody when you want to do that? Uh, it sort of goes back to some of the things we've already talked about, the silence. Use that silence to take that deep breath before you respond and react. It also allows us to say, you know what, I'm so emotionally charged on this. I can't think clearly right now. Can we, can we suspend this conversation to a different time? Maybe it's just me, Sabrina, but I'm getting the feeling this conversation is hitting a dead end. That's, that's great. So sometimes it's that for me, but sometimes I have so many different things on that I'm involved in that I really need to think it through to figure out how that's going to fit and if it's going to work for me. 
And that's an okay thing to say right there, right? <laughs> Absolutely it is. I, I have a, a theory. It's called get the truth on the table. If the truth is I'm not prepared to talk about this right now, or it's gone well beyond what I'm prepared for, let's do a timeout, set another meeting when we can both be a little more prepared. I, I love that. That's, it's so beautiful. Um, so we're just about done. I have a couple more questions. One is, what is the most significant communication skill that a person should learn? And I'll just, let me just throw in the other one, which is, do you have an exercise that people could practice from your book that would be useful to learn this skill? Well, your first question is very simple. Listening. Okay. Improve your listening skills. I mean, that's it. It's in a nutshell, improve your listening skills. And that means seeking to understand, asking questions to understand that, you know, what the person's really asking or what they're really saying so that you can respond more appropriately. And that's the number one skill. And I look back on my life and that's, that's been my, my worst one. You know, and I still get caught in it from time to time of not really listening and just trying to rush a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key one. Uh, develop those listening skills, which includes your questioning skills, because that's going to help you understand uh, and get the other person's position. Now, as far as exercises, when it comes to improving relationships, you know, in, in the, in, as you know, in the back of the book, we've, we've got some of those. And this would apply with a coworker, a spouse, children. And, and I sort of like, you know, choose who you want to develop the relationship with. Okay. And think of the future. And the little exercise is real simple. What are the seven positive words that will best describe my relationship with that person one year before I die? In other words, whatever, you know, whoever that person is, let's, let's carry it out into the future. Toward the end of my, my time, what are the seven words that would describe, and I'll take my wife, what are the seven words that I want to describe our relationship at that point? Now, when you can, when you can, when you can um, put those seven words down, you now have a goal. Are, is, is my communication, is my interaction with that person, is it leading toward those seven attributes or not? And just that alone might alter things you say or don't say. That's, that's a really good exercise. Um, I really like this, the future pacing of how you want it to be as a good framework for how you're interacting and, and communicating with that person. David, this has been so helpful. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And um, we will have information on, the, on our website that will tell people how they can get your book from the boardroom to the living room. And thank you so much for being with us today. Sabrina, it's been my pleasure. You've been enjoyable. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. I have a great free gift I want to give you that will help you to be a better leader. But first, I want to share why I've been doing this show for the last 10 years. My passion is to help hundreds of thousands of women worldwide be more successful in their careers and in their lives. 
Because you are listening to this podcast, you are part of this global movement. Thank you for sharing these shows with your friends and colleagues and for your great comments and reviews. So here is my free gift to you. For the last 10 years, I have interviewed almost 100 top leaders to find out what their leadership secrets are. And one of the secrets is great communication. So I have put together 12 of their top tips that will help you communicate like a leader, which will help you to advance your career and get promoted. So to get this free gift, go to the sidebar on the right-hand side of womensleadershipsuccess.com and look for my 12 masterful communication tips to be a great leader. And thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.